Because everybody, except for you, loves Mary Poppins Returns. I so. do not get it, yeah. honestly. Honestly. Especially if you've seen save especially if you've seen Saving Mr. Banks. Oh. Um it Saving feels Mr. Banks, it's such great. It's movie. an ama- Save Mr. Banks is an amazing movie. But this feels like all the fears that PL Tra- PL Travers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the fears that she had about what Disney would do to Mary Poppins come true in Mary Poppins Returns. Like, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, honestly, how did nobody catch this? She is doing things Mary Poppins just doesn't and wouldn't do. And it's not it's not a awful movie. Like, And, and that's what I told them as I walked out. They're like, what do you think? It's like, if this was the first Mary Poppins, or if this was its own movie, it would be fine. I would put it in, like, Paddington 2 territory. It's fun. It's whimsical. You know, whatever. But as a Mary Poppins sequel... It's not good. It's not good because again, she does all she, the way she acts, the way it's it's what is what does Paul say? It's having all the trappings of spirituality but without the power thereof. It's like they put her in the right clothes and you know, she tries to do these little mannerisms the right way and but who she is and how she acts is all wrong. She's this whimsical fairy godmother who's totally into all like you know in the in mary poppins she was prim and proper and she wasn't just this jolly dance it up she like, was party no she was no nonsense and she was kind of dragged into stuff and you could kind of tell right. in a cheeky way she was kind of into it even as she was kind of right exactly. and she would quickly dust off this mary poppins is like yeah you know fl- and and make and making jokes about people being not crass, but again, not Mary Poppins. Right, right, right. And she immediately dives into like magic and whimsy. And, and so it's just like, and ignores the kids Mm -hmm. that sets up, you know, to set up peril. It's like, but that's not, again, it's not Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really, I was like, this is, Especially again, especially having seen Saving Mr. Banks, I'm like, this is a travesty. Yeah, Peel Travers is rolling in her grave right now. All right. Um, well, I mean, I think it's it's right about that time to eat some crow. Uh, we had we. Oh, I know. I know. Is, this is a sad way to start a show. I'm it's so a disappointed. Sad way to start a show. I, I Leon, did, just, Leon. First of all, Leon, our deepest apologies. We're sorry. We're sorry that that we have to to say this. You know, um, we haven't heard from you in a while. We we know. We know. We're we know you're sad. But we had to. Um, we had to cancel our screening. Of the Star Wars holiday special, yes, yes, um, and so I mean, speaking of holidays, we are gonna we're gonna we're gonna kick up the speed in this podcast, and we're gonna talk about our top. We're gonna do rank geeks, and we're gonna talk about the best fictional Christmas characters. Correct, and so that's gonna be a lot of fun. But we've got to start kind of you know start with the bad, and then and then finish out strong. Exactly, that's what I always say. Do you want the bad news or the good news first? That's right. that's bad the news scenario. first always for me. 
Is it what, bad yeah. news for you for always? For me, it's always bad news first. Huh. What about for you? I think I'm more of a good news first really? person. Really? Yeah. Why? I, you know, only to argue with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I really don't care. <laughs> no, for me, no, I, I do care. Like, it's all, for me, if someone says, do you want no, the good or like bad dessert, news first? Right? It's like, give me the bad news so I can get it out of the way, and then the good news can kind of cut the edge off a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Versus I, telling me the good thing and then bringing me down. Yeah, no, I think I'm I'm actually kind of the same way. I, yeah. And I'm just sort of thinking about it in terms of food. You know, the dessert comes last. I know that when I eat you know, you eat your carrots. When I eat my carrots, I always have to eat the carrots first because they're the thing that I like the least. Right. I always eat the crusts of the bread first so that I can have the spongy interior, you know, to, to eat afterwards. And so I think I like the good news last. Yeah. So. All right. So, again, the bad news is that we, although on the last episode we promised we were going to do a Hurt So Good for the Star Wars holiday special, we've had to cancel that. Due to piracy. Piracy. And now, not the, the the Captain Roberts type of... Is it Captain Roberts? The the Tom Hanks movie? <laughs> oh. What is that one called? Captain... Uh, oh, Captain something or other. Yeah, something like I that. I was thinking the, about the Dread Pirate. Uh, the Dread, yeah, not like the Dread Pirate Roberts either. Yeah. Um, not like either of those things, but digital piracy. That was a good movie, too. Why don't I remember yeah. the Captain? I think it is Captain Roberts. Let's go with that until we IMDb it and find ourselves wrong. But, you know, As when we always do, uh, when we decided to do the Hurt So Good with the Star Wars holiday special, you know, we knew that there was a YouTube link that had the special on it. And it's it's funny because at first glance, you know, I'm like, OK, cool. This is up. It's been up for several years. You can watch it on YouTube. That's awesome. I I use YouTube professionally, not like to get my <laughs> income, but as a social media guy uh, for the company I yeah. work for. And so I know that YouTube is super stringent on copyright violations. Yeah. They have they will have a, any video that's got a clip fifteen seconds or longer of copyrighted material. Right. They are on that in seconds. After uploading, which is amazing when you think about the amount of content that is right. uploaded when every day. Yeah, hundreds of hours, you know, are uploaded every hour. Yeah, and so um, when I, it's it's one of those things where when I saw that this was still up on YouTube after a couple of years, I'm like, okay, you know, whoever is behind this has decided that they'll just monetize it. They're right. okay with their, you know, Disney, Lucas, whatever. Sure. They're okay with it being up. They're just choosing to monetize it. And so I'll watch an ad. They'll get paid. It'll all be is, great. All is hunky-dory. It'll be wonderful. Well, the day comes for us to live tweet this bad boy. And um, I've got a, a Twitter follower who alerted us to the fact that the movie had now been removed. Curse that Twitter follower. By YouTube. No, Chris, come on. Chris... <laughs> Thank you for the heads up play. <laughs> if um, we didn't know, we could have just watched it. <laughs> well, we but, but, but it was gone. It was gone. So we couldn't um, have watched it. So I went and found that somebody else had it up on YouTube. But then we had the dilemma of, well, now we know whoever owns the rights is not okay with this being on YouTube. Well, yeah, I think that. And so to watch it ourselves at this point, now, now we're not. Now, if we know we're doing it against the maker's wishes versus thinking it was okay, it was being monetized, whatever, now that would be pirating it. All of a sudden, we would be complicit. All of a sudden, we would be complicit in piracy. Yeah. And so we made the decision 
to to not do it. Now we I tried looking to see if I could stream it somewhere else. I looked on Netflix. I looked on Amazon. I was going to pay money on Amazon to stream it. No, because it. that's how loyal you are we, to this. Podcast. I, I wanted to make this happen. I didn't want to yeah. be. Uh, I didn't want to let people down. But it is nowhere to stream. Like and nowhere you can only buy used copies. Really, at this point, it's weird. It's like they're not you know promoting it. <laughs> it's weird. No, I think that truthfully, I think that George Lucas, if he had his druthers, he would have burned every single copy yeah. of that movie. You know, I'm sure that he owns the rights to it, and he doesn't want anybody to see it because it's so widely mocked. Yeah, it was the first time that that George Lucas might not have been all that. <laughs> Don't you think? Huh. Maybe we should let somebody else do the prequels. Maybe, maybe George Lucas does not walk on water. Yeah. And so uh, we just thought this would be a good friendly reminder of the reality of piracy in our digital age. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. You know, it's one of those Roberts Phillips. Roberts Phillips. It, it's really the same thing. It's a first name is a last name. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. So, um, you know, piracy in this digital age is a tricky thing. I mean, really, ever since Napster, it's been kind of at the forefront of uh, yeah. pop culture consumption. Well, and it's and it's interesting actually because uh, as we were talking about this issue, I've always been really very much a stickler against piracy. It really, as sort of a content creator myself, it 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 frosts me when people take my content, and I've had this happen. People have lifted my content word for word, put their name on it, and slapped it up on the internet. And and so when you when you have things that are created by somebody else and they're taken and they're used for somebody else's purposes, it feels really wrong. Your generation is fine with it all, and yet yeah. it's better with it, you know, because you were were raised in the age of Napster, right? Or does it? Is, yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, my, did my, you use Napster? My dad did. My dad when we were kids. See, know, I was started totally using Napster, Napster and. Uh, thought there was, and, and I, I didn't talk to him about the legal. I wasn't old enough to be like, Dad, what do, what do you think about the moral implications of Napster? It's just like, <laughs> I just, my dad started doing it. I was like, cool, this is a new thing. I guess this is how things right. work. And, um, and I dabbled with other file sharing things in high school, and my friends did. And it was like, well, we don't have money, but this is a, a way we can kind of still consume the videos or the yeah, the yeah. music that we want to. And and it was a couple of years into that that I kind of – and it was actually my wife. I got to give credit to my wife that said, hey, you know, what makes this – What makes it okay? What okay? makes this all right? Like, you know, yeah. sure, it's – you can do it, but does that mean it's okay? And uh, isn't it still stealing? And it was like – I think I had kind of known – yeah, well, but you it's, you skirt around it when well, when before that fr- prefrontal cortex, you know that frontal lobe no. develops your judgment as a young man, and and no, that I don't want to take. I I'm responsible for my own actions, yeah, but and for the things I did, but it that's when it kind of finally hit me. Yeah, and here's the thing: I think it really comes down to this: is that we are driven. Almost always by the bottom line, yeah. you know, and if and and when we see that we can know in the back of our mind that something is wrong, but if it saves us money, then we're more prone to do it. I think, right? right. And and so it takes it takes an extra step to say no, this is wrong. And I got to be honest with you, you were the voice, the the rare voice between us of ethics. 
because I was ready. I honestly was ready to watch it because I really wanted to watch yeah. it. I really wanted to do this segment, and I thought this would be fun. It's not hurting anybody, but you said no. Now we need to. We can't. We can't pirate this stuff. We can't encourage piracy. And so, for that, Jake, you were. For the first time in your life, <laughs> the voice of moral authority hey, in mine. I'll which, take oh my goodness! One time, I'll take it. Um, no, and it's, I think it's hard because it feels, to your point, it's not hurting anybody. It feels right. because it's so easy and accessible to all of us. Right. It feels morally and- equivalent to a white lie. At, at sort of just that gut, that initial, not even gut, just that initial look at it. You're like, oh, it's, you know, this movie made tons of money or this song has made tons of money and this person's filthy rich and I'm not and this isn't hurting anybody. This isn't a big deal. It does, if, like a white lie, it feels pretty inconsequential. Right. Like who's going to come after me for watching one YouTube video? They can't figure that out. I'm not signed into my yeah. you know, YouTube account. But at the end, it's not about being caught. It's about doing the right thing. Right. Right? Exactly. So we're going to do the right thing and talk about other things today. That's that's right. So uh, we, we talked about piracy, and um, th- there's no good segue for this. No, there is a good but, segue. Here it is. Okay, give me a, Here a segue is, on Jake. me. Speaking of doing the right thing, I did the right thing when I picked my movies for a fantasy film competition. If And you... Mr. Roberson mm-hmm, mm-hmm. did not. Uh, you know what? If we were only going off the Golden Globes, I would agree with you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> you would be absolutely right. However, Paul, you're playing this little West Coast nickel and dime Broncos offense. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over here with a let's bomb them and let's blow up the scoreboard Chiefs Rams offense because you're looking all right so yeah no I don't think the Chiefs or Rams have started off as slowly as you have <laughs> I, I have to say um, in any of their games so for those of you that don't remember we we're we're in the we've got this thing going Paul and I and it's called the fantasy movie awards season yeah and so uh because jake really likes long names for long names that's not that's not even the full title that's the abbreviated title (laughs) and so there's point totals for do you have the point totals there or no i do have the point totals yeah well no i mean point totals but the point scoring system sorry yes the scoring system um yeah, okay. Is that so, there's a certain number of points for nominations and wins, and it's different for each set of awards. Exactly. We Essentially what we did is we pulled, I think, about 12 of the biggest awards type of things for, for movies that there right. are. We're right in the middle of award season. The Oscars are obviously the big one, but as, as the season goes on, you have tons of littler ones. You know, the Golden Globes are a big deal. The SAG Awards are a big deal. You have these critics giving awards. You have the writers. So we took, we pulled a lot of these folks in and we said, okay, so let's rank these um, by and, and weight them by by certain measures, right? So no. Oscars were giving six points to a win, which we won't know until February 24th. Right. Um, and then we're giving two points, three points for a nomination, actually. No, two points. It's two. Sorry. Yeah. And then we uh, then we have you know 
Directors Guild, Writers Guild, Producers Guild, we give those a point for a win. We give critics group like L.A. and New York, we give a point for a win. We we essentially... The Golden Globes are three points for a win, one point for a nomination. SAG is the same thing. The, BAFTA The Screen also, Actors Guild. Yeah. And so we weighted all these categories, and then we decided we were going to... to Pick five movies. Yep. So we did a draft. We did a we did a serpentine draft. Go back and between to two people, and yeah. So we we picked these teams and we said, okay, so whoever gets the most points out of these, you know, if if someone in in the favorite wins a actress award, then we get points for that. If someone's nominated for an award, we get points for that. And so we have we each have five teams and I suppose we should probably run those down, right? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and refresh uh the teams. Um so my team is First Man, Black Panther, Beautiful Boy, Sorry to Bother You, and Mortal Engines. Which I'm seeing tonight by the way. I oh, I'm gonna go see it tonight too. Oh are you? Yeah. We'll see you there. Yeah. We'll wave across the theater. So my picks. Yeah. Star is Born, The Favorite, Black Klansman, Green Book, and Leave No Trace. Yeah. Strong, strong picks. And you know what? You're right. I did pick the wrong offensive analogy <laughs> uh, when I was talking about my team. My team is going to be like Tim Tebow's Denver Tim Tebow's. Broncos. Yeah. Hang we're, back. We hang back for the first three and three-quarter quarters. <laughs> But then in the final five minutes, four minutes of the fourth quarter, <laughs> right. we go off, son. Getting on And we fire. win. Yeah. And we win. You know, that's the key part. Yeah. So, you know, what, what we have now is that the first, the Golden Globes are in. Yeah. So you, essentially what we have is we have three, three of the categories or, or three of the point getters are finished, right? We, uh, so we were both actually crushed by the New York Film Critics Society. They we, don't, didn't, yeah. we didn't get a single point. Weirdly, we Coloradans and New Yorkers think differently. <laughs> the, the LA Film Critics Society was a little bit kinder to us. Yeah. I got two points from that. You got one. I'm not even sure. Do you, are you aware of... of no, you hadn't told me that that one yeah, had okay, come in so, yet. So actually, my, my dark horse pick, Leave No Trace, mm-hmm. won for Best Director by okay. the LA Critics. Uh, also, Olivia Coleman from The Favorite won for Best Actress for the Critics. Um, and you, Mr. Roberson, got Best Production Design for Black Panther. Yeah, calling it. That's, yeah. See, that, that right there is indicative of... What's going to happen to you at the end of the season? <laughs> Paul's Paul's going to nickel and dime through these highfalutin awards. Yeah, and come Oscar season, Black Panther and okay. Mortal Engines are going to like just clean up all these technical and production design and all the music stuff like that. Clean I am, up all three. I am going to take so many points at the so Oscars. Dumb and you're not going to sure. get anything. I'm sure. You're going to get blank. <laughs> a Star is Born, the favorite, nothing. Let, they, but let's they talk might about... get a nomination, but... So, let's talk. So, so <laughs> for our listeners, it's now two to one. But the Golden Globes nominations are in. Yeah. So let's just talk about my cushion for a little bit. Let, let's talk about your cushion because I can wipe it out with three categories in the Oscars. Oh, uh, we'll see. We'll so you see. tell them about your little cushion. So I beat Jake 19 
to six in uh, the Golden Globe. He says nominees. beat, but beat, beat like a drum. It's it's one game. You won the battle, but you're going to lose the war. I don't know. I don't know. So so, what did you do well with in, in the Golden Globes? Uh, with the Golden Globes, my points came from Black Panther, First Man, and Beautiful Boy. Gotcha. Yeah, didn't gotcha. get it. You know, here was the surprise for me. I thought Sorry to Bother You would pick something. At least Sorry pick up to some Bother You just hasn't been getting any buzz lately. Yeah. It seems like, which um, is kind of surprising. It, it like with I thought with the predominantly you know with a diverse cast and a really unique premise. Uh, like it to me, I thought it might be like this year's um, Shape of Water. Yeah, because it had this really odd premise that has a cultural um, has a cultural message for right. our day and age, right. and it's unique and it's got a new and upcoming director and some actor. I mean, it's got Tessa Looks Thompson, clever. yeah, and uh, Lakey Stanfield. You know, it's got it, and it's an original screenplay. I was like, this thing is going to clean up at all these little award shows, and it's just not been getting the love. It only even got one nomination. Yeah, at uh, the Golden Globe. So I have to say that right now is looking like that, and and that was a dark horse pick for me, right? right. Uh, you know, I was, but uh, it's not panning out. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you had some good picks. I do have to say, First Man, Beautiful Boy, Black Panther. Those are all really worthy choices, but they're still losers. Black Klansman. That was the one you stole from me, and I think that is the one that you know. Is is gonna carry you through, really? Well, you the think fa- so? Because I think it's gonna get. I think that one out of all the ones you've got there is probably gonna have the best Oscar like chances against something like Black Panther. Well, honestly. it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So Black Klansman got four nominations from the Golden Globes: best best drama, best actor, best director, best supporting actor, right? And probably worthy selections, honestly. Right. So and it'll I be think interesting. It's probably gonna to get that for the Oscars too. That's. That's the one that has me worried. I mean, I haven't seen The Favorite. I haven't seen Stars Born. But uh, I know those got a lot of Golden Globes. But I don't know. I feel so good about Black Panther at the Oscars this year. Do you really? Yeah. I think, you know. I, I do think Black Panther is going to get, my bet is, eight nominations. Yeah. That's my bet. And three wins. Yeah. It's a lot of points right there. We'll see. In the Oscars. We shall see how it rolls out. I'm just, uh, I am just happy that I'm in the early lead. Paul's got the early lead. Uh, we'll see tonight whether or not Mortal Engines, which is my other dark horse pick, is going to be the technical prowess that I'm hoping. That's why I went with it. It wasn't necessarily because I thought this is going to be the best picture. There's plenty of those other contenders. It's tough to get best picture. But movies like this, Peter Jackson has done a lot of them, these big budget epics. And he cleans up in the technical awards historically. So I'm, I'm hoping that Mortal Engines will be just that for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. But now it's time to start ranking things, you know, since we're talking about Hollywood ranking things. It's time for us to rank some stuff. We got to rank things. Let's rank Christmas stuff. Christmas. Stuff. Stuff. We should sing. Why are we not singing right now? What do you want to sing? Well, a Christmas song. Like what? You sing uh, Good King Wenceslas. Mm. I've heard Good King Wenceslas. I don't know 
good King Wenceslas, like enough to sing it. Oh yeah. That was great. All right, anyway. That's a little clip off of a fresh new track. It's going to be dropping from Fanboy and Know It All. Keep your ears peeled. Mannheim steamrolled. I always, that phrase, keep your eyes peeled, that is such a creepy, creepy phrase. I know they're talking about your eyelids, but when I was a young kid, my aunt showed us the video footage of her getting her laser <laughs> eye treatment, no. where they literally like are peeling back oh. the actual substance of her eye. Oh. And so now, whenever I hear "keep your eyes peeled," I literally don't, yeah. I don't think of eyelids. I think of actual eyeballs being peeled. Yeah, no, I I can deal with a lot of grotesquerie. I can. I have sat through lots and lots of bad movies. I have watched autopsies. They're all pretty interesting to me, right? Eyes? I just don't do eyes. Yeah. They freak me out. It's, they're, when you're anything. messing around with somebody's eyes, it's just really problematic yeah. for As me. thick as your skull is, the vulnerability of your soft little eyes. Is, your soft little eyes. Whew. Ugh. <laughs> On to cheerier things. <laughs> We're here to rank the top five fictional... Christmas characters of all time. Correct. Top five fictional. Yeah. Paul wouldn't let me say Jesus, just so you know. No. Paul hates Christmas. This is this is the war on Christmas right here in action. You're seeing it. Paul's <laughs> like, exactly you can't right. say Jesus. No. It's like, wow. Wow, no, Paul. No. No Wiseman. No, no Joseph. Wiseman, no Joseph. No angels. No. Nothing like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I had to completely wipe off the star from my yeah. any character from the star off my list because Paul Did, hates hates Jesus. You know, no, <laughs> Paul exactly doesn't hate right. Jesus. <laughs> no, but Jesus is always the answer, right? If we were just right. going to rank, what are your top five characters in in Christmas? It's like, well, Jesus, 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 and Jesus. Exactly. Clean sweep. Show done. Maybe right, honorable so mention for the ox or something. Yeah, you know? we're doing a we're doing a top five fictional because he's obviously nonfiction. All right, so Paul, without any further ado, <laughs> what's number five on your list? Who is number five? Okay, on your list, number five. Yeah, I'm not sure if this would hold up in my adult days, but this was really true for me when I was a little kid. All right, there was a special called "The Year Without Santa Claus." The Year Without Santa. 1974 okay. came out, and it had two of the most compelling characters and creepiest characters in all of Christmas dumb: uh-huh. the heat miser and the cold miser. They are creepy. Are you familiar with them? I am. Oh yeah, yeah. He's so. Mr. White Christmas. He's Mr. Snow. Very good. Yeah. Go. Uh, so, as a matter of fact. That's very appropriate because I chose the cold miser. I thought that he nosed out the hot miser because he has that long icicly nose uh, and he has the frost ice on his head and he has the cool little straw hat that he dances with. Uh, uh, you know, I think the creepiest thing about that segment, honestly, I watched it on YouTube again. And... Uh, he dances, you know, it's just like this big musical number with the cold miser and hot miser. Right. And they have all these little tiny cold misers and heat misers dancing in front. And you think, 
what is going on with this? It's like some sort of weird fever dream. Child cult yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it reminded me of kind of like the, the Egyptian carvings and stuff where yeah. like the king is always huge and you have the little peasants right. below. Huh. It was it was sort of like that and you sort of wonder how they got that way. Yeah, it freaked a, me out. It is it's been a long time since I've seen that, so I can't can't say I remember it too well. I think I probably thought most of it was a bad dream. Like, is that a real thing? Oh. Except that they they paid homage to it in uh, one of the Batman movies when Arnold was was the Mister Freeze. Mister right? Freeze. Yeah, there there was a clip of that in in that Batman movie. Oh, I'm gonna have to. That's reason enough to watch that terrible <laughs> Batman. Movie. Paul's like, it's a Christmas movie now. I'm claiming <laughs> it. That is a Christmas movie. All right, Jake, five for you. Number five for me. This is from my childhood. This movie came out when I was seven years old. And uh, this character, I had no idea who this actor was, though adults at the time would have known who he was. But um, he just played – he played a creep too, but it was a funny <laughs> creep to me. And it's funny because it's not that big of a role. It's a pretty small role. And it's the role of Ted Malton in a little 1996 film called Jingle All the Way. <laughs> and he's played by Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Yeah. So oh, the late great <laughs> So for those of you that don't remember, in Jingle All the Way, of course, it's mostly about Arnold and Sinbad. <laughs> because everybody's watched it. Well, it's a guilty pleasure. I think I talked about this last year for me. Anyways, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sinbad, they're trying to get the hot Christmas toy of the season. And it's for Arnold, it's causing him family troubles. It's causing him troubles with his wife and troubles with his kid because, you know, he's he's not He's just not showing up by getting the best toy of the season. So <laughs> he's a workaholic. It's a problem uh, that's made light of in this movie. Anyways, Phil Hartman plays a single dad that's a next door neighbor to this family, and he has he is in the most weirdly passive aggressive way, <laughs> is super into Arnold's wife, and he makes these weird passive overtures throughout the movie, and it's so creepy and it's so bad. But Phil Hartman just relishes this character, and there's this oh my goodness, he, there's this scene where Arnold calls home, and is trying to get to his wife and. This guy, Ted, answers the phone. And I was like, what are you doing in my house, Ted? He's like, mm, mm, I'm just eating your wife's sugar cookies. They're delicious. They're amazing. He's like, Ted, stop eating my sugar cookies, Ted. He's like, can I talk to my wife? He's like, no. She's in the shower. I think she's in the shower. And then, he, and then his face just completely changes. Want me to go check? No, Ted. Don't go check. I'll call, tell her I called. And just that's... Phil Hartman in this weird one-off role, playing such a creepy character, totally nails it. And I didn't think this would be on my list. It's on my list. Ted Malton, Jingle All the Way, That's number five. Pretty interesting. Phil Hartman, I tell you, he is one of the funniest dudes ever. Yeah. Love Phil Hartman. Number four for number me. Number four. This uh, this is a, an odd choice for me, but I couldn't help myself. Max from. <laughs> When the Grinch Stole Christmas. Not only do I concur with your pick, I exactly concur with your pick. Number four on my list is Oh, you're kidding me! But from the 1966, obviously. Oh, yeah, no. How the the Grinch Stole Christmas, Max in that movie, that that television show, he is the funniest thing in that 
that special, I yeah. thought. I, I just love... You sympathize with them. You laugh know, with them. I he's so nice. He's just this great dog owned by this terrible <laughs> owner. And I love it when they strap the, the, the horns, yeah. you know, the, the, antlers the antlers on his on head, him. and he falls over, and he's... Oh, my goodness. And when he's trying to run down the mountain with the sled, and he can't keep up, and so he goes back, <laughs> and he swings back onto the sled, and then the Grinch, like, looks, he's he's looking around, and he looks back, and he just kind of—he's got this cute little puppy dog smile, and the Grinch boots him back out there. I, I tell you what—it's it, great, really. I think how the Grinch stole Christmas. Maybe there's a lot of great Christmas specials out there. I think how the Grinch stole Christmas is the funniest. I mean, slam dunk funniest. I think the Charlie Brown Christmas is maybe the best. It's the sweetest. It's the most heartfelt. It, it has the most powerful message. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Funniest, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is a right even today. Well, and the nice thing that we forget, I think, or at least I forgot, in this age where there have been so many remakes of the Grinch over the years, is that the original is really told in a very tight, quick fashion. Yeah. It's not very long. No. My wife turned it on the other night like for the kids, and I was like, what are you doing? Isn't this movie like an hour and a half long? Don't they need to go to bed? <laughs> Oh no! It's just like a thirty-five minute movie. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it's nice. it's it's tight and compact. Yeah. Unlike most of our podcast, it is really <laughs> storytelling done right. Well, now you know since we both had the exact same number four separate from one another. I know, so so uh, I guess I get to we'll go keep on. it a little tighter. So, uh, Paul, number three, number three. This may be a controversial pick in some circles. <laughs> Hans Gruber. From Die Hard. This is a controversial pick because, once again, though it seems like it's got more fervor this year just due to the fact that everything has more fervor. Yeah, because we're all angry. We're all perpetually angry. Everybody, like especially on Twitter, is arguing over whether or not Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie. I think it totally is. There are a lot of people, the anti- Die Hard is a Christmas movie crowd is really strong this year, Paul. So, Oh, is it really? You, yeah. So are you among the anti I don't really care. I've only seen it once. I liked it fine. I don't I didn't really register it as a Christmas movie personally, but I don't I don't have a problem with people think, you know, it, it centers around a Christmas party and, you know. Yeah, it's got a tree. It's yeah. got carols. It's got it's got everything it needs. It's got a hat. Yeah. It's got ho ho ho. Right. With some other bad words yeah. there. I think. Uh, yeah. I think it's totally a Christmas movie. So it, you picked Hans. Well, and here's the thing. Over, over the other guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Over no Bruce Hans Willey. Gruber, played by the immortal Alan Rickman, who also just recently died. You, you just called him immortal. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess he is mortal. He is by definition the, mortal. The, <laughs> He is literally <laughs> the mortal Alan Rickman. The mortal. <laughs> yes. That's really terrible. But I honestly think he was he is probably one of the most underrated actors in yeah. in cinematic history and I think he that he's played the so many role. of the greatest villains. Yeah, he is he was incredible as Snape in the Harry Potter movies. I really liked him there. But in terms of like his best role in and Jake, I think I've talked to you about this before. I've always wanted to have like a like a revisionist Oscars uh-huh. awards. Yeah. Like you have the Oscars, they give out these awards to movies that you might never ever hear about again. They'll they'll just vanish. But if we were going to do a revisionist Oscars for the year when this movie came out, which I think was 1989, I think Alan Rickman would win Best Supporting Actor for this role because he was just fantastic. He was the ultimate villain. So, yeah, that's my number three. Yeah, and 
it's 1988 mm. that Die Hard close. came out. And I agree with it. He plays the. I mean, he was. He's not on my list again. Die. I Die Hard because I came to it late is not in my pantheon of most amazing movies of all time. But it's a solid flick, and it's a Alan good. Rickman is great. He makes movies that aren't great, like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. His villain in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, makes it worth watching. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought he would did very well. It's interesting that all three of my picks so far have been villains. Yeah, mm. says something about you. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I mean, I, I've picked Apparently two I villains. I've picked two villains so far, but I'm about to redeem that by picking the protagonist for a bit of an antihero though. Uh, from 1989. 1989. Yep. None other than Sparky himself, Clark Griswold. <laughs> Played by the also mortal Chevy Chase. So he's still alive, right? He is still alive, yes. R.I.P. Chevy, whenever that happens. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> This is really taking a morbid turn. Uh, but Clark, I mean, this is, it's just, honestly, it's one of his better roles. He just has to own Christmas Vacation. There's so many characters in Christmas Vacation with the whole quirky family. But I think this one is where Chevy Chase stands out, and it's got a few moments of warm, fond reminiscing where you're like, oh, family and love. And then it's just got wacky, screwball, you know, physical comedy, goofy comedy throughout. This is the funniest National Lampoon's movie there is. Oh, you think so? I think so. It is sort of a classic for you. I know yeah. that we've talked about this. We've talked about before. it before. And, and I think Clark Griswold stands out in it as this dad who's just trying to make Christmas happen. And it's pure misery, as they say in the movie. And yet he persists. <laughs> and yet he persisted. And then <laughs> it really says something about fatherhood. It's really all about that. Fathers yeah. make fools of themselves, and yet they persist. Yeah. So for me... Uh, Clark Griswold, this is nostalgia. You know, this this movie's been there my whole life. But uh, Clark Griswold at number three for me. Wow. All right, number two. Number two, going back to television, because most of my formative Christmas memories are made by television. It is... This was a really tough choice for me, because, you know, the ultimate Christmas special is really Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Right. No. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not even close. Oh, yeah. What? No, it totally is. No. It's the well, ultimate Christmas special. It's a Christmas special, but... It is the ultimate Christmas special. It's not Christmas the ultimate. Special. Oh, my goodness And you goodness have gracious. so many fantastic characters. It's you've a got, fine thing. You've but. got Hermie. You've got the flying lion who's pretty cool. You've got the bumble. But my favorite is Yukon Cornelius. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Yukon Cornelius. Silver! And gold. Yeah. So that's my pick. I, 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 that's, that's all you got? No. Just I, that one line? <laughs> <laughs> well, what else is there? Because everybody knows... Bumbles the, bounce! <laughs> Bumbles bounce! That's the better one. I love how he licks his little... His little uh, it's kind of weird when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> he licks his little... How he licks his pickaxe? Yeah, his pickaxe. I was thinking pitchfork. That's probably where Miley Cyrus yeah. got her inspiration. Yeah, that's that's a wrecking ball. That actually bothers me. Maybe I should revise this page. <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> this isn't based on anything except for my weird childhood fascination with creepy claymation. <laughs> what how is this? How can you not like? How can you not like Rudolph the Red Nose? I'm not saying Reindeer? I hate Rudolph the Red Nose. Right now, it is the ultimate Christmas. It is the no, ultimate. Oh, it totally. Why? Is. 
because it's been there forever. That's the worst argument. No, it, that's it, not. A, that's it's not, not even best. an argument. It's not the best. You call ultimate is better than best. Unless no, no, there's a difference. See, the best Wouldn't is on you, a different. Are category you trying to say ultimate. it's the quintessential? It is Christmas special, the defining Christmas special. How like about, when people think about Christmas specials, they are thinking Rudolph the Red-Nosed I would, Reindeer. I would use quintessential <sighs> instead. Instead of ultimate, I yeah. think you're. I think quintessential. You're you know, quintessential doesn't mean it's good. It just means it is that thing. Well, right? the ultimate doesn't mean it's good. It just means it's the ultimate. True. Well, but the ultimate implies that it's at the top of something. If I said it was the ultimately <laughs> good Christmas, I shouldn't special. be debating semantics with an English major. <laughs> Um, no, it is. It I'll is. Lose. It is the ultimate Christmas special. All right, number two for me is the ultimate Christmas movie. Is <laughs> is a character from the ultimate Christmas movie? Uh, the ultimate it, character. Keeping it old school. Yeah. it's from nineteen ninety. Apparently, nothing has been this, made good in the last in well, your lifetime. Really. This was made in my lifetime. Okay. Both of these last two were made in my lifetime. Uh, actually, three of my four picks were made in my lifetime. So. Barely. Uh, but this is from Home Alone. This character is from Home Alone. Um, but it's not Kevin. It's Marv. Marv. It's I kind of figured. It's Daniel Stern. Yeah. Daniel Stern just in Home Alone and Home Alone 2, Daniel Stern is the underappreciated character here. His his ability to make to pratfall and to make this stuff funny when he gets blasted by all these things that Kevin McAllister does is really what makes the movie funny. And I mean, the way his interplay with Pesci's kind of crotchety character, I mean, Daniel Stern brings a bit of brevity, not brevity, levity. There's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Brings a bit of levity to what could be a really dark, you know, home invasion movie. This could really be a horror movie. Yes, it really could. Daniel Stern's ability to be goofy, but also provide enough menace that you're a little bit worried for Kevin is really spot on. And uh, Marv, for me... Like, Home Alone wouldn't be Home Alone if it wasn't for Marv. He comes up with all those stupid nicknames for, you know, we're the wet bandits. <laughs> we're the sticky bandits. And he has got all these du- – I mean, it's just great. He's It's really underrated. Marv, Daniel Stern, great work. Yeah. No, I, I think I would have gotten the Joe Pesci character if it wouldn't – He's as good. As far as the ultimate bad guy in Home Alone. But. He's good, but Marv is my favorite. Okay. All right. Number, Number one. one for me. Number one for me. And I – this is not going to be too terribly unpredictable, unfortunately. Yeah, I, think I, I, can I, say I had it to already. go this way. Yeah. It's Linus, right? Oh, that would be a great choice, but no, oh. no, it wasn't. George Bailey, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, that, that is way too predictable. I tried well, to give you a little bit of unpredictability, but. You tried, you tried, but I just, I tell you what. Sorry. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. I mean, I think that he he has – I think that movie in many ways has sort of defined um, at least entertainment in Christmas, the Christmas-themed entertainment in, in a way that nothing else has. It's a wonderful life. Just – it holds so – up so well. It is just an incredible movie. And George Bailey, I think, does an amazing job. Jimmy Stewart is George Bailey. He does an amazing job just – inhabiting that character i've seen maybe 20 or 30 jimmy stewart movies i think that even when you look at his entire array of of roles this is still the one that feels the most like jimmy stewart to me there you go uh i've only seen it's a wonderful life like once you're terrible yeah you're um, terrible how are you watching christmas vacation every year and i don't watch seen- christmas vacation every year 
you Christmas with the Cranks you watch everything. Christmas with the Cranks, but that's, you know, my wife. No, you got to put It's a Wonderful Life. You need to watch It's a um, Wonderful Life. Bring I have watched It's a Wonderful Life. You have to watch it every year, <laughs> every night. <laughs> You'd be a better person. Um, the one the one that I'm going to watch every year instead is is Elf. Of course. Number one all time, Buddy the Elf. I mean, come on. He he blasted into our hearts in a time where we didn't know if we could love, make great Christmas movies in the 21st century. All the great Christmas movies were from the mid-20th century. And, you know, a couple of stragglers at the the end of the 20th century. But here we are in the 21st century. It's a scary new time. Can anybody recapture the magic of Christmas? And then they announced this elf movie. And they announced that Will Ferrell is going to be playing Elf. And I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I didn't. I, I was not – I thought this was probably going to be some R-rated, you know, old school type thing because this was Will Ferrell in right. the height of his right. SNL old school crass, you know, R-rated. Yeah, he can be incredibly crass and um, profane and such. You know, this was this was the height of that for him. And I remember when this trailer came out and I was like, this looks really funny, but it's Will Ferrell. Like, is this going to be watchable? And they're like, okay, it's PG, maybe, maybe. And then you watch this thing and you're like, this might – this just rocketed to the upper echelon of best Christmas movies of all time. It's so funny. It, I think it is the funniest Christmas movie of all time, hands down. Uh, but also it gets some of that sweetness in there and it gets family in there and without weighing the whole thing down. It made Zoe Deschanel a star. And, uh, but Buddy the Elf rises above it all. He is the catalyst for every single thing in that movie and for the movie itself, for the Christmas season, you know. Yeah. Now, as I, far as fictional characters go, Buddy the Elf, I mean, he just brings Christmas wherever he goes. You know, Elf is a really great movie. I think that that it is everything that you say about it is is at least partly true. <laughs> <laughs> because it really is it, it is the the classic from the 21st century that's that's really going to hold up, I think. You know, yeah. 100 years from now people it's may already still been, be it's almost when, been two decades. All the rest of Will Ferrell's work has gone away. You know, people will still might be watching Elf. Yeah, I can picture that. They'll still be answering the phone, Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? I think my favorite character in that movie may be Bob Newhart actually. Bob Newhart oh, is great. He's pretty hilarious in that. Yeah. All right. So you go. There's our top favorite fictional Christmas characters of all time. What are yours? You can let us know on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. And now it's time for the most least important thing. Jake, we're doing the least most important thing, most least important thing. Yeah, you got it right the second time. Thank you very much. The latter. I knew I knew it was gonna be one or the other. So I thought You were watching my reaction waiting for me to come down with the hammer. So this is actually dovetailing with uh, with our conversation about our fantasy film teams that we have going, and I think that both of us neglected to pick out what I think may be the best movie of the year. Roma. 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 I saw Roma. It's coming out to Netflix uh, by the time, well, pretty soon after this podcast actually drops. I think that you'll be able to watch Roma on Netflix. It is definitely R-rated 
especially for a rather embarrassing nude scene featuring a, a dude. So that's your content caveat. <laughs> content caveat. Policy. Male genitals. <laughs> but it is, and it's not going to be a movie that it's going to appeal to a lot of people because it's black and white. It's in a foreign language. And it's really just about, it's a very quiet story about uh, essentially domestic help in, in, in 1970s Mexico City. Mm. It is beautiful. It is riveting. I was blown away by this movie. And there, there are some really sweet messages. I think that we should talk about it on a future podcast because I think it's going to – I think that above all the movies that we've chosen for our fantasy football teams or fantasy film teams, <laughs> I think Roma might just clean up. Interesting. Interesting. For my most least important thing, um, I, I have to say – We've talked a lot about great superhero movies on this podcast. We had a whole episode about the death of superhero movies. We've talked about DC versus Marvel. We've talked about Batman, and we've talked about Superman. We've talked about Wonder Woman. We've talked about Daredevil. We've talked about Deadpool and pretty much everything else in between. Because we like our superheroes. We do. We talked about Tom Holland as the bringing youth into the Spider-Man role into the Marvel Avengers universe and how great that was and how great Spider-Man Homecoming was. And yet something just happened and is about to happen here in the next, I mean, by the time you hear this, it's happening already. And that is the snap. Thanos is real. The snap. Thanos is real. No, but Marvel is all of a sudden not the only, uh, their their grip as making the best superhero movies is being challenged. You know, the shots have been taken. You know, Deadpool, people really liked Deadpool. People really liked Logan. But, you know, those were not as accessible to right. you right. know, audiences they're because they're yeah. R-rated. Sony, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I saw the screening of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and I was really hyped. As I sat down for this movie, I was like, I'm going to be disappointed because I'm too excited. I, I, and I and I, I I hate to say this because I don't want to overhype it for you guys, but this is an incredible movie. It's not just a good animated movie. It's not just a good superhero movie. It's a good movie. The animation is gorgeous, yes, but the story is the action. The I mean, it's move over Tom Holland, Miles Morales, this Spider Man, best Spider Man movie there is. I'm saying it right now. So let me ask you. Between this and Incredibles 2, two superhero animated movies, yep. which is better? This one, Into the Spider-Verse. Wow. Over over the Pixar's yep. Incredibles 2. I like, I like Incredibles 2. You guys heard me talk about it. Into the Spider-Verse is the new best Spider-Man movie. There it is. Fascinating. There it is. Can't wait to see what you guys think. But that's my most least important thing. Uh, next time, we're, we, our next show is the last one of the year. Last one of the year. And so it's time to wrap up the best of the year. And so we're going to bring our favorites, the best of what pop culture had to offer with Fanboy and Nota. We're going we're gonna to bring our lists. We're going to make our down lists. for you. We're going to check them twice, and we're going to talk about the best things, hopefully some things that uh, you've missed along the way that we can yeah. help introduce you to. Yeah, and I will tell you all the way that Jake was wrong about his picks. 
He'll, he will mock and malign me, and I will hold my ground because that's what I do. Yeah. But until then. That's what we live for. Hit me up on the Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. Until next time, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye.